Hi, this is Jason at BWC. Welcome to this podcast of our adult Bible study on Wednesday nights. Let's join Pastor Pat Dale as he shares with the group. Well, last week we began to talk about dissatisfied Christians and the subject of discontentment, which is running rampant. And I want to follow up on some of that today. Dissatisfied and discontented, they're words that are pretty much interchangeable. When you begin to study one, the other one continually pops up. So I'm going to sometimes say dissatisfied, sometimes I'll say discontent. You know, uh, but they're pretty much interchangeable, and, and we'll get into them. Do you remember before you entered into middle school and junior high, do you remember the little kids' school? I don't know. I went to a small little school, and we didn't get A, B, Cs, Ds, and Fs. I hated that because you know when you did when you do when you colored perfectly, you wanted an A, but we didn't get an A. You remember you remember the grading scale, um, S and S plus, and so I, I pulled one up offline, and uh, S plus means consistently meeting objectives. S which is something I was good at because I hated elementary school and I still almost get a stomach ache when I think about it. I hated it with a passionate heart. I get angry when I talk about it. High school, I loved because I was a mess. I loved it. There was girls everywhere. It was great. But in elementary school, <laughs> elementary school, I hated my life. So I got a lot of S's, satisfactories. Uh, S minus was inconsistently meets objectives in, I always hated that, needs improvement. I always hated that. They, they, they couldn't just tell you that. They, they had to talk to you like you was a little baby now. you need. And I was like, dude, come on, man, I'm almost six. <laughs> talk to me straight. If it's a D, call it a D. But then there was this other one, this U. It was unsatisfactory. Unsatisfactory. I hated that. And you ever notice when you got a U, there was red all over your paper? I always hated that. And uh, unsatisfactory. It's, it's a word that, that you may not use every day, but it's probably a feeling that you run across every day. Uh, there's some, I go to McDonald's over here a lot, can you tell? Uh, I, go, I stop there for healthy stuff, right? Uh, gotta get me a Mickey D's fix a lot. I love this right here. It's bad. They got a dollar menu and it's a mile away. That's bad news. But there's a group of old dudes every morning in there. And, you want to talk about some grumpy old men. It's really weird because when you talk to them one-on-one, if you're at the counter, they're nice and pleasant. But something happens when they sit down together. Uh, you want to talk about some unsatisfied people. Nothing in their life is right. Nothing in government's right. Nothing in sports is right. Nothing with the economy is right. Everything pretty much sucks in their eyes. And, and they sit and I'll watch them smile when they're getting out of their car, and then when they sit together, they just like sit and they sour together. All of a sudden, you're not allowed to say anything positive. And I hear them, and I, and I try to sit as far away as I can, but they're real old, so they can't hear, so they talk loud. And I'm like, come on, y'all. And, and they're just some really unsatisfied people. And you look at people like that, don't those kind of people annoy you? You're thinking of some right now. There's somebody in your life that when you see them, you kind of, oh man, I hope they didn't see me, and you go to the next aisle. I know, I've, I've done it. Those Debbie Downers. Those Debbie Downers, it's like, man, you're gonna suck every bit of joy I got out of me just in three minutes. And those kind of people annoy us. The problem is, we're blind to ourselves sometimes. Um, those people that no matter what happens, it's not enough. Those people that something just stinks in their life all the time. We're very annoyed by those people. Sometimes I wonder what God thinks about us. Because no matter what you have in your life, it could be better. Yeah, I got this, but... Yeah, I got this, but... Have you seen my this... Have I talked to you about this? And Christians as a whole, from my experience, and I don't want to generalize, but talking to a lot of other friends that are pastors, a lot of people just don't blow you over with positivity. Have you ever, today, did you run into somebody that just 
walked in and rocked the room in a good way. No, normally, somebody that walks in the room sucks all the joy out. I call them joy suckers. And, and their, their reputation precedes them. You guys know what I'm talking about at work in those meetings. You know that when that person comes into those meetings, that you just start rolling your eyes before they open their mouth. And uh, <laughs> we began to talk about the, the dissatisfied Christian or the discontent, discontented Christian. We made a reference of Adam and Eve had everything they wanted. They, they literally, it's almost safe to say, they almost had heaven on earth. They didn't have to plant the garden. They didn't have to do nothing. All they had to do is exist. But they weren't satisfied. There was something, there was a limit set before them. And they had everything they wanted. They were clothed with the glory of God. They had the most beautiful area that you could possibly live in. They hung out with God every day. We know the story. But they weren't satisfied. And then we went to a picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when He's praying the prayer, God, if it's Your will, let this cup pass from Me. Three times He's like, God, is there any other way? The difference was, Adam and Eve were not satisfied. But Jesus, at the end of His prayer time, said, Thy will be done. So there's two pictures there, and that's the reason I brought them. It may seem random random to you. So Satan, in the form of a serpent, talks to Eve. And Satan loves to show us how to sin. And the cool thing about sin is it pays off. When you're committing a sin, when you're doing something you know that is against the character of God, it feels great. Now preachers won't tell you that usually. Preachers want to make you feel bad about it. But let's get real. While you were doing it, it was great or you wouldn't have done it. There's a payoff to sin. Sin pays. Sin pays. We could, we could start a, a sin movement and start the poster, sin pays. But then when we look at Jesus, here's the polar opposite of that. We see Jesus submitting His will to the Father. Submission cost. Sin pays, but submission is going to cost something of you. It's going to cost some discipline. It's going to cost some time. It's going to take you putting your will underneath God's will. So, we begin to look at some of those examples. I can't believe Adam and Eve somehow became discontented with their belongings, with their, with their setting. And... Um, so we uh, began to actually just define discontentment is a restless desire for something better. I know what you got right now. You know what you got. But there's something gnawing at you saying it could be better. It could be better. It could be better. And a lot of times that's the loudest voice. And just to clarify, the definition of dissatisfied is to cause to be displeased especially by failing to provide something expected or desired. I know this. We want to talk about being unsatisfied. How many of y'all have been on a diet? You haven't been on a diet? I don't believe any of y'all. You may not have told anybody, but... Well, okay, pretend you were on a diet. And you go to the freezer section and you buy the little diet foods or maybe you're on a program and they give you the little frozen deal and you're sitting down there and it and it's supper time and you're looking at this little piece of meat that's this big and this little pile of vegetables. You can't really call it a pile. It's like four peas put together. And you get done eating and, and all of a sudden you're like, that can't be the last bite because... I am nowhere near satisfied. That was just enough to make me mad. And and as I as I'm wiping my mouth with my napkin, I may not say this if I have an accountability partner, but as I'm wiping my mouth from this little three bites that I took, I'm thinking, I see a snack in my future. And in fact when she goes to the bathroom I'm raiding the cookie jar and you know, I can't let her know that. But 
you know, and I and I go to the gym and uh, and I exercise, but these little these little small portions just don't satisfy me. And that's that's really a picture of of not being satisfied. I wanted more. I was expecting more. It's supper time. It's time for me to throw down, get fat, get in my fat shorts, get in the recliner, and turn prime time on. You know what I mean? And and what just happened there, you can't call that dinner. I've had bigger snacks. And I'm not satisfied. And I'm not satisfied. So, flip over to Philippians chapter 4. We've read this before. It will do you good to see it. Philippians 4. And this is the text of this uh, lesson, if you will. Philippians chapter 4. Paul is talking to the people at Philippi. And, and this will be our text, and we're going to read three verses. Verse 11, 12, and 13. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed to both be full and to be hungry. To be abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He He's saying, I know how to be broke, and I know how to be loaded. I know how to be full, and I know how to be hungry. And I'm instructed to be full and hungry. I mean, it sounds like He's just giving us a bunch of oxymorons back and forth. How, how am I going to be hungry and full at the same time? And, and we've studied that verse in quite detail before, so we won't go into a lot, but I want you to see the words I have learned. I want you to understand that contentment is a learned thing. It is not something you can just pray for and it's imparted into you. You can't call the man of God of the hour and anoint your head with oil and at the end of the prayer, all of a sudden, you're content. Contentment is a learned state of mind. The word learn there means to practice and to start a habit out of it. The word learn there means to continually habit, habit, habit until it becomes part of you. Do you know, whatever you absorb yourself in, you take on the attributes of that. So if you come to the conclusion, I want to be content, that mindset, that prayer eventually will begin to seep into you, even if you're miles from it. If you have an anger issue and you say, I want to be at peace, I no longer want to be frustrated, Begin to pray, begin to talk, and you'll begin to see things change. It's not overnight. That's another example of a learned discipline. We pray for these things. We think we're going to wake up one day and no longer uh, hate our life. But that's not going to happen. And we're going to get into how. Paul is telling the Philippians that it's learned by practice and use. Get in the habit. Get accustomed to it. We spoke that a young man that that runs away from home and joins gangs, there's something in his life where he's discontented. There's something that's not satisfying him. The woman that has an affair on her husband, there's something in her where she's not satisfied, so she begins to look elsewhere. Any, Any kind of trouble that you run into, you're driven by a state of discontentment. The reason that you sin, Christian, is because something inside of you, you're over it. All of a sudden, what you have ain't working no more, so it's going to propel me to do something that I'll later regret. But in the moment, I was mad at where I'm at, and I thought for a moment I can get some relief if I just go crazy. And then we have to live with it. I've done it. And there's a cry of discontentment. That cry is, it's never enough. The cry of discontentment is, it's never enough. I asked you last week to finish this sentence. The more you make, the more you spend. The more your wife spends. I like that. That's good. The more you make, the more you spend. So the reality is, it's, it's counter-cultural to be content. Can you name me ten people in your life that are content with their lives? I'll bet it's hard. I'll bet it's hard to count five. But yet it's supposed to be a mark of a Christian. We're supposed to be content. 
the things that we complain about. People are hating on us. We're, we, we hate our house, and there's people living under bridges. We hate our cars, and there's people walking. We hate our marriage, but there's people that are widows. James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. I don't have that in your notes, but let me read it to you. Ye lust, and you have not. You kill, and you desire to have, and you cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. And when you do ask, you receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. Have you noticed how selfish our prayers are? We've talked about that a lot. If only. If only God would do this. Why can't God do this? Because if He would just do this, everything would be great. Everything would be better. We spoke about a few ingredients that feed this unsatisfied mindset. The first thing that comes to our mind, and we this is not an exhaustive list, but greed. Greed is basically selfishness. We spoke that last time, when you were 15 years old, you didn't care what car you drove. You just wanted a car. You just wanted a car. And now you hate the car that you drive. Because it's not new enough. It doesn't have the new car smell. Most of us. Uh, (laughs) I'm just jealous there. A little jealousy raising up. Uh, No... When you were 15, you didn't care if it, was a, if it was a cargo van. You just wanted to drive the thing. But now you have standards all of a sudden. You're not satisfied with what you got. I know I've got three cars, and I've found myself complaining. i got three between the family. And, like, man, none of these are BMWs. You know what I mean? We're spoiled is what I'm saying. We, we, we are not content with things that we should be thankful for. And discontent can easily become an insatiable appetite to where whatever you're given is not enough. I know individuals like this that has everything that you could dream and ask of. You know those dreams you had when you were little and you you dreamed of getting married and living in a nice home, being married to a nice man, and, and, well, that's the women. Let me clarify that. Being married to a nice person and, and having beautiful kids. And there's people that have all that. But it's not enough. It's never enough. That's an insatiable appetite. Do you know someone like that? Maybe you're like that. Maybe no matter how blessed you are, you keep praying for blessings. I pose this question to you. If God said, I'm never going to do one more thing for you the rest of your life, would you still serve Him? Let me back up. Are you serving Him now? Because you come to this building has no indication to me that you serve God. The fact that you come here is a pretty good indicator that you realize you need Him not to go to hell. The rest is up to you. Do you even serve God? And if He could never do another thing for you, would you serve Him? If... If you're only in it for what He can give you, you're in it for the wrong reasons. I mean, that's ouch for everybody that lives in America. That's ouch. Let me get back to my notes. The reality is, contentment is a state of mind. It's called satisfaction. It's called contentment. And you'll never have that feeling consistently outside of you. No matter what happens to you, you'll never be content. No matter what car you drive, no matter what job you have, no matter what your yearly pay is, there is no such thing externally, outside of your heart, outside of your spirit that will satisfy you. Yes, there are remedies that will feel better for a season. Yes, there's ways that will make you more comfortable. But you'll never be content outside of you. That's why... If there, there's a book called The Night. It's written by a Holocaust survivor. And he saw his mom and his dad die. He saw all of his best friends die. And he survived all of those. And, and, and I won't go into the book right now. But he still, in the middle of all that, had a one of the rare exceptions, has a sweet spirit. He has full justification to resent and to hate people. The the cruelty that he saw. But in the middle, 
of watching people go to furnaces and being burned like wood, watching them starve to death. There's something about this man that's okay. I don't know that I have the psychological profile to do that. I don't know that I could watch my best friends die and and hear the screams of my siblings. I I don't think I could sit back and watch them take their last breath and, and turn out okay. But there's something that this man had, and he survived the Holocaust. He has something on the inside of him. That no matter what happens on the outside of him, no matter how bad it got, no matter, no matter how hard the winters, he was content. Contentment is something that is something you'll never find outside of you. And I know that sounds tree hugger. I know that sounds new agey. But there's nothing you can decorate your life with to make you content. If you're, if you're discontented, It's all about you. And I'm going to take away the blame game right now. I'm going to pull your victim cards right now. I don't care how much your life stinks. You have the audacity, we have the audacity, to say I am not satisfied with my life. One of those reasons is because of greed. I want, I want, I want. Why? Why do you want what you want? And the reason is, you want to be more comfortable. You want it easier than you got it. We're all guilty. The reason I I know this subject pretty well is because I've had my struggles with this and and I'm far from having it mastered. But God has checked me. If you will, He's taken me to the woodshed. And wouldn't you know it, we've spoke on this for two weeks. Be content. Be content. I don't know if you're aware of this, but when you teach, whatever you teach, you get challenged on by the enemy. <laughs> I've told you for two weeks, be content. Break off this, this, this discontent mindset, this spirit of discontentment, this insatiable appetite. And we've had the roughest financial two weeks since we were 19 years old and first married. Wait. You were telling everybody Wednesday night to be content with the things you have. I hate the devil. <laughs> and I hate the old Pat that tries to rise up and come back to life. But you know what? Contentment is not... It doesn't have anything to do with what's around you. It's a decision you make. It's, 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 contentment happens between your ears. It's something that happens down in your soul. It's something that happens even more personally in your spirit. It's amazing to me how we can have our sins forgiven. We're on our way to heaven. Most of your kids are healthy. Nobody's on life support. None of us live under bridges as far as I know. I don't know of anybody that walked here, but we're not satisfied. And I believe that it's a big speed bump to where this ministry... And any given ministry in the body of Christ needs to go. I don't think God will reward us with that mind block. I think that, that, that He's saying, I want to take you places, but there's something wrong with your hearts. Why should I give you more when you're not satisfied with what I've given you? We of all people, most of us in here are parents. We tell our kids, you brat. You can't take care of that. And you expect me to get you something else. But now, when it hits the fan, let's go to your prayer life. Most of your prayers aren't life or death. Most of your prayers are prayers of comfort. Let me say it this way. A lot, historically, my prayers have not been life and death. 99% of them are, hook me up, God. I would feel good if I had this. I would feel good if I had that. Life would be easier if I had this. So greed is one of them. Another thing is greed affects the the tycoon on Wall Street and it affects the guy living under the bridge. The commonality is greed. 
You want to know what's common between the rich guy and the broke guy? They overestimate the power of money. They think money is going to fix something. Money has never fixed anything. It's made life easier. It's made life better. Sometimes I feel like Paul. I know what it's like to barely make it by. And then I've had years where I had so much money. I, I, what do you want to do tonight, baby? What do you want to go buy? Let's buy something. Not a little item. Let's go buy a big item. I remember those days. I've been both. My problem is, I can't say like Paul, I've learned to be content. I have to say I'm learning to be content. But it starts with me. It starts with me. Pride is another thing. Pride is when you think too much of yourself. Probably the most damaging thing that keeps you in that mindset is a thing called comparison. Comparison will eat your lunch. Comparison will, will own you. Look at Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Covetousness. That means I see somebody have something and I wish I had it. I know I've got friends that are younger than me that are better off than me. You may think, I've got friends that have better marriages than me. You see, the word covet doesn't just necessarily mean material goods. Let's read it. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. That means, listen, be careful. If I came to your house and I stole every one of your personal belongings, would you stop being you? If I stole your wardrobe, your car, everything that's nice to you, if I emptied out your house and you went home to a shell of a house, does it change who you are? Well, it would devastate us mentally, but does it change who you are? And yet, those are the things we pray for the most. The things that, at the end of the, at the end of, the, of it all, it doesn't change us, but it made us more comfortable on the journey. Got to get going here. So how do we deal with this? It starts with internal dialogue. You understand the state of mind of discontentment that you're in. You know why it got that way? Because you thought those thoughts. Because you had greed. Because you compared. And because you were proud. The reason you feel dissatisfied is because you thought you were dissatisfied. So how do we become content when we think dissatisfied thoughts? The same way you've accumulated a discontentment is the same way you're going to become content. You're going to have to go inside. You're going to have to give yourself a talking to. And I know that I've done this. I'm like, Pat, here's the deal. I know things could be better. I know what you want. And I know you ain't got them yet. But let me tell you something, Pat. (laughs) I'm not schizophrenic. I'm just talking to myself. But let me tell you something. You should be content with what you have. You should be satisfied with what you have. You see, comparison launched you into a level of discontentment. Comparison to the right things will bring you right back down to earth. Next time you feel sorry for yourself, go to the children's hospital. Next time you hate your body image, go to the nursing home. The very thing that propelled you to discontentment can propel you back to a state of contentment. Now, I haven't got to the Jesus part yet. I'm just talking about this is our part, okay? I don't want you to think that it starts and stops with you, but it does start with you. Any progress you make in this life starts with you. Quit praying for stuff and keeping your door shut. I hate this. You pray for this romantic concept but you're not opening the door for God to work. God will not knock down your door. Do you know that it is illegal for God to work on your behalf without your permission? It's illegal. Why? Because He gave you dominion. He will never cross and break His own law. And yet you're saying, God fixed this. He's like, okay, open the door. No, I'm not going to... I'm not going to open the door because then I might have to do some work. But I want you to fix this. 
He's like, I would love to. Well, just just do it. Just, when I wake up tomorrow, I want to be rich. I want a better looking husband. I want better acting kids. And I want a new car in the driveway. That would really hook me up. God's like, man, I would love to get to work on some things. But you're afraid. You see, submission costs you something. God is not your concierge. He doesn't do patchwork. And that's the problem. We want God to fix us up. God says, I want to make you new. Back to the notes. So we begin by talking to ourselves. And I'll tell you something else that will just knock the socks off of this mindset of discontentment. There's a power that we don't tap into much. It's a power called gratitude. I know Dave and I have talked that he started at at one point a few weeks back. He said, I I decided that he's got like a 20, 25 minute ride to work. He said, for 20 minutes, I'm not going to do anything but thank God for the things in my life. Try it. This is a sad part. It's so foreign to us that we run out of on the list really quickly. I know it's asinine to even say that, but we're so used to asking. We got well, we we can go all day on asking, but if you really want to begin to be content with your life, let gratitude into your life. Begin to be thankful for that son, that daughter, that husband, that wife, that house, that car, that job that you hate. Start thanking God for it. Something happens when gratitude breaks loose in your life. It changes the way you think. We tell our kids, what do you say? What do you say? Old Don just gave you a mint. What do you tell Don? We tell our kids that. I love that we tell our kids all kinds of stuff. If, if, if we grew up to do what we told our kids, we wouldn't have any problems. But here we are, jacked up as normal. So, gratitude will bust some stuff off of you. And I'm going to tell you this. Can I tell you my experience? I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to uh, give you a King James version of it because this is Pat Dale talking. I don't believe that you will ever get a promotion in God until you show yourself grateful. That's just 42 years of living most of those as a Christian talking. Um, I don't believe you'll ever go to your next level until you find some gratitude. You see, when you drop your attitude and get some gratitude, things begin to change. You think people owe you. You think God owes you something. Who told you that? It's a lie. Nobody owes you anything. And it's the sheer mercy and grace of God that you're not burning in hell right now. Quit thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. But it's all those thoughts that that you deserve stuff. And you know what? You started believing it. And now you're not satisfied with your life. I know. I know. And and do you remember the... The times you think most clearly is the most devastating times in your life. I said last week, you never think more clearly than when you stand in front of a casket. I don't know why, but all of a sudden, all the crap doesn't matter when this person's journey is over. All of a sudden, what really matters begins to matter. But then we get in our car, by the time we get to our destination, all the fluff matters again. And we stress about it. And we have the audacity to not be happy and thankful for the things that we got. I think I'm a pretty good expert on that. Let me ask you this. Can you simultaneously be content and worried? Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing. How many times does the Bible say, fear not, fret not, don't worry, don't be anxious But it's rare if you have a day that you're not anxious. You see how jacked up we are? 
It's rare if you have a day when you have the realization that you're okay. That you were dealt a pretty good hand. It's minuscule. You may have one day a year when you feel grateful and overwhelmed with the love of God and your relationships and your health and your... All the other days we complain. And I'm telling you this, not just because God had to turn me on this, but I believe God wants to take you, us, the body of Christ, someplace. But I don't know that we're quite yet ready to be built upon. Because as sure as I think that, okay, God, my shoulders are wider now. He'll say, come here, look at this. And what I really hate is when he takes me to something that's glaringly obvious and I've chosen not to look at it anymore. I hate when he does that. I'm like, God, I just fixed this, 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 this. He's like, okay, here's another thing. But he's taking us someplace, guys. He's not just messing with you. He's not just messing with your head and playing with his creation. He wants to take you someplace. But we're so stinking fragile. We're so breakable. We're so important. If you do this, I'm going to feel this. So? And we expect everybody to tiptoe around our dissatisfaction. Well, I'm not satisfied with this. I don't care. I'm not satisfied with this in my life. It sucks to be you. We have moments of clarity in our life. I was so grateful for the health of my other son when my first son died. And somewhere in 13 or 14 years, I kind of forgot, oh yeah, i got a lot to be thankful for. When you had that near-death experience, all of a sudden, that, the rest of that day, you thought, man, I thought I was a goner. I'm so glad I'm still here. I thought I was going to leave behind children and, and a spouse. I thought, I thought the worst was going to happen. I didn't have my ducks in a row. I'm so glad to have life, but you forgot how blessed you are. We forgot how blessed we are. Is it possible to be content and worried at the same time? Let me ask you this. Is it possible to be content and produce the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, Discontent. Can can you tell me you hate your life and produce long-suffering? Can you hate your life and produce joy? Can you hate everything going on and produce peace? Can you do it? Can, Can you hate everything in your house all of your friends, all of your family, can you hate your job and still produce the fruit of self-control? I don't think so. If you know how to do it, see me after class. Because you have a cheat code somewhere. Because I know that when I'm jacked up on the inside, everything changes. And when you are not satisfied... You're going to have the most difficult, I would venture to say, an impossibility to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because you're squelching the Spirit of God that produces those things. Flip over to James chapter 3. This is a verse that I've used in the past for cussing. I got something for the cussers in the house. But I want you to look at it in a different light because it has a larger application than just... Your bad words. James chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Out of the same mouth produces blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not be. Does a fountain send forth some sweet water and some bitter? Do you see how that applies to our life and our contentment or lack thereof? It's frustrating. I've done it. The reason, the reason I can tell... The, please don't think I'm coming down on y'all. I'm, ta- I'm talking about us. How is it that on Sunday morning, we can sit here and say, I praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And we walk out into our cars and we say, I hate this thing. And we go 
to our house and we, I hate this place. We, we were just praising and now we're cursing our life. I, I, I love God, but I hate my family. I love God, but I hate my job. And he's saying, something's jacked up with you because there's one fountain in you. And that fountain can't produce sweet water and bitter water out of the same fountain. It just can't happen. I'm sorry. So we like to run out of both sides of our mouth. Isn't it amazing how much we look at the negative in our life? I have one last question for you, and I'm I'm wrapping this up. And this is going to sound like a preacher, but bear with me. If you were to die tonight, and you were never going to see another day on this planet... This is the the real deal. Tomorrow, you'll be on a slab in the morgue. If you died tonight and you never saw another day, can you say, I was satisfied with my life? Can you say, if you took your last breath, that was a pretty good go around? I would hate to know the answer to that because most of us have wasted so much of our lives wanting something more. It's never enough. There has to be more. And I don't know how old you are, but how many days have you rolled over in the bed and started your day and you said there has to be something more to it than this. Was it a good life? Your life is always what you make it. When you are holding on and when you have a near-death experience, you are so afraid of losing the very thing you're not satisfied with. Does it make sense? When your car is spinning on the ice, you're praying, God, keep us safe! And when He does, you say, I hate my life. There are people in the grave tonight that would love to have your chance. But every day you reaffirm, I hate my life. God help us. I don't have this on your paper, but it's a a scripture that has helped me through so much. Psalms 37, verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he stumble, he will not be utterly cast down, because the Lord will uphold him with his hand. Your steps are ordered. Somehow we got in this life and we forgot what we're here to do, somehow. I don't know what happened when God said, I'm going to form you in your mother's womb, and I'm going to give you a script. And what you're going to be is you're going to be this, and you're going to have the ability to do this, this, and this, and this. And and I have a plan for your life. In fact, I have a plan for every step of your life. Now, you don't have to adhere to my plan. You can go off and be a renegade. But if if you do what I designed you to do, when you take your last breath, you're going to be able to look back and say, you know what? I left this place better than I found it. But somewhere in the middle of our drama, we forgot you have a lot to be thankful for. There are people that would kill to have what you have, to be where you are. I minister to people on Tuesdays who would love to have a clear thought. I minister to people on Tuesdays that would love to be able to have the vision to open their Bible and read it, but their vision is almost gone. There are people that I minister to on Tuesdays that are wheeled in on a bed with salve all over their eyes so their eye sockets don't dry out. And I have to know that 
They may not be all home, but I'm going to minister to their spirit. And we are not satisfied with our lives. They can't tell you the last time they drove a car and took a ride through the country. They can't tell you the last time. Some of them, their families have abandoned them. They can't tell you what a hug feels like anymore. They can only remember. But God, I want this stuff. I want these things. I want you to fix this. I don't know when we lost perspective. I don't know who told us that life is going to be great every day. Somebody fooled us. Somebody said that if we prayed, we wouldn't have any problems. Somebody said if we prayed, we would never have a hurt in our body. Somebody said that if we prayed, all of our marriages would stay together. That if we prayed, all of our relationships would stay strong. But my reality has been, I have prayed, and for whatever millions of variables, reasons, not everything happens as I pray. So you're left there, and you're saying, but I prayed. It should have changed. So because of that, my heart is sick, and I'm not satisfied with my life. If He would have done what I told Him to do, And then we've got to come in behind you and say, don't give up. You feel empty. You feel broken. But all you hear about is if only, if only, if only. There are people staring at you saying, if I can only have their health, if I can only have their mind, if I can only have, yes, believe it or not, if I can only have their paycheck, if I can only have their benefits... Do you know there's people that want your paycheck? Every Friday or whatever, you, every month when you go to the bank and you're hating the money that you're given to get by on life, there's people that would love to have it. But we complain all the way to the bank. That's some tough love. Your steps are ordered. But godliness, 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and you won't take anything out of this world. But you're letting that stop you. Something that will never leave this planet when you're called home, you're letting that define your life because it's never enough. Help us, Jesus. It's 8 o'clock. Help us, Jesus. The mindset that you have, I want you to think what put you there. Something as ridiculous as your comfort can make you have a dissatisfied life. Who do we think we are? Help us, God. We're spoiled Americans. (laughs) And I'm saying gratitude will bust that mindset I'm saying lay down your greed, lay down your pride, lay down your comparison, and receive what God has put into your hands. Quit thinking about if only. Quit thinking about you want more. And be satisfied. And I'm telling you, the reason I believe He says it's great gain is because when you get to this mindset, now God can get to work on your life. I'm pretty sure He's not going to promote spoiled brats. Think about the way you think, guys. And I'm telling you, when you start having this dialogue to yourself, the self is carnality, your old man that's rising up. And you you have to talk to it when it tries to come back to life. Because when you say, God, I'm dealing with this. I can't do it on my own or I would have done it by now. But when you really say, I'm rolling up my sleeves to deal with this mentality that I have, that I'm never satisfied, God can rush in behind you when you open the door. And He can give you strength where you failed so miserably. But don't expect Him to do something you refuse to work on. Quit praying the prayer. You're wasting your words. But when you say, God, 
This is my mindset that I'm going to be renewed. God, renew my mind. God, let me have a grateful heart. God, let me see the good things in my life. God will rush in behind you and He'll begin to minister to you. And you know what? He can roll up his sleeves and make your life great. You may never be a millionaire. You may never be in perfect health. You may never have the dream relationship that you're dreaming of. But He can minister to you in the middle of it. Somebody told us everything we wished for would come true. That's not been my experience. But I do know that with God, all things are possible. Those things that you've given up on, if you just start working on them, God can help you and be your strength. The thing I tell you guys all the time is it is not okay where you are. Quit petting yourself and stroking your ego. It is not okay where you are. You're good people. You have hearts for God. But God's calling you to a higher place, to a deeper level, so He can build on you. Your life is not just about you and your comfort. It's about getting you to a place where you have so much that your cup runs over and it affects your world. You see, we're so selfish. We say, God, make my life better. Make my life better. He's like, man, I would love to make your life better. But you're hung up on what you don't have. Why don't you look at what I've blessed you with? Because do you know what the definition of wrath is? Is when God pulls up and lets His... When He pulls back His mercy and lets life happen. That's a definition of wrath. When God pulls His hand up, of mercy and lets life take you over. I want you to know no matter how bad you have it, your life is protected and guided and guarded by the hand of God. You don't want him to lift it because we are a spoiled brat. Because when he lifts that hand of mercy, you ain't never tasted life like that. So be grateful for the things in your life. Amen. You receive that? Thank you for joining us for this Wednesday evening podcast from Bethesda Worship Center. You can find more out about us at BethesdaWorshipCenter.com and by liking us on Facebook.